Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is February 22, 2024. It has been 3,678 days since Russia started covert military operations in Crimea, 10 years and 2 days since the start of the Russia-Ukraine war, and 1 year and 363 days since Russia expanded its war aggression. Today's podcast looks at events that happened on Wednesday and Thursday morning. During the podcast, you will find the Russia-Ukraine war map helpful to visualize the areas discussed. A link is in the podcast description. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine morning reports, operational commands north, south and east of Ukraine, open-source intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian male bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth. Because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. 1. Ukraine's acute shortage of ammunition and air defense missiles continues to impact the battlefield. 2. It is unlikely that Russia will achieve its main operational goal of capturing the remaining areas of the Luhansk and Donetsk oblasts and the areas east of Oskil River in northern Kharkiv oblast by March 13. 3. The United States has ended financial and military aid to Ukraine unless there is an unforeseen event that changes congressional leadership before the 2024 elections. 4. The lack of media attention and the ending of U.S. military aid has encouraged the Kremlin to be more transparent when committing grave breaches of the Geneva Conventions due to the lack of a meaningful response from international organizations. 5. Russian forces continue their offensive to capture Chasiv Yar west of Bakhmut. 6. Combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue for the foreseeable future. 7. We maintain that while the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the condition is more serious than what the International Atomic Energy Agency is reporting. We begin today's war report in Kharkiv Oblast in the Kupiansk area of Operation Oreo. Russian and Ukrainian sources reported mutual fighting near Sinkivka with no change in the situation. There were also multiple reports of positional fighting between squad-sized units in the area of Tabaevka. In the Kremenayo of Luhansk oblast, Russian and Ukrainian sources reported fighting continued east of Terny and Torske, with no change in the situation. In the Lysychanskyo, Russian mercenary mail blogger Wogonzo claimed Russian forces attempted to advance on Bilohorivka. Next, let's talk about the Donbass, starting in northeastern Donetsk oblast. In the Siversko, Russian forces continued their attacks in the direction of Vyimka. Wargonzo claimed that Russian forces made, quote, slight progress. 
In the Bakhmut AO, Russian sources reported that fighting continued in the area of Bogdanivka and east of Ivanivska, with no change in the situation. And in the Klishivka AO, fighting continued northwest, north and east of Klishivka. Here is the situation in southwestern Donetsk Oblast. In the Avdiivka AO, new claims were made by the United States press about the Russian capture of the settlement. An article in the Washington Post claimed that Ukrainian units started to withdraw from Avdiivka without orders. The leadership of the Ukrainian 3rd and 47th Brigades furiously denied the claim. The Post also said that the number captured during the withdrawal was in the dozens, citing undisclosed American officials. Yesterday I told you that our analyst team also believed the number captured was in the dozens. A quick note, we do not receive classified information or work directly with any government as part of our reporting and analysis. Moving to assessment, while we agree that the withdrawal from Avdiivka was, quote, chaotic, we have not reviewed any information that would indicate that large groups of Ukrainian forces disobeyed orders while defending Avdiivka. Additionally, members of the 110th Brigade made no claims of withdrawing against orders or being left vulnerable because supporting units withdrew. United States Department of Defense spokesperson Sabrina Singh called the withdrawal, quote, strategic and such that was done to preserve artillery, ammunition and personnel. She added that without more aid from the United States, Ukraine may be forced to make hard defensive choices. Quote, it's really the Ukrainians' decision to speak to, but obviously they're in a critical fight for their, for their lives, for their country. And that's why you heard me say in very stark times, that's why we need the supplemental immediately. And we've been saying that and sounding these alarm bells since October. Unquote. North of occupied Avdiivka, Russian forces continued their attacks on Stepove. Fighting continues between the railroad grade to the center of the village, with Russian troops repeatedly repulsed. Russian forces are trying to expand their area of control west of the Avdivka coke plant, attempting to advance in the direction of Orlivka. We are surprised by this activity, considering Russian reserve units are being withdrawn, the unfavorable terrain and the decrease in Russian artillery fire and airstrikes. Fighting also continued east of Lastochkina. Southwest of occupied Avdiivka, fighting continued in the eastern part of Pervomaiske. Russian forces were able to advance southeast of Nevelske and are now at the last tree line before the village. The map was adjusted. In occupied Donetsk, Russia claimed that Ukraine shelled the Klinichna hospital in the Kalininsky district and showed parts of Grad rockets. There was no need for deep analysis or tracking down pictures of craters for splash analysis. Grad rockets have a maximum range of 20 kilometers. After the Russian capture of Avdiivka, a Grad rocket strike this deep into the city of Donetsk is impossible. Moving on. In the Marinka AO, Russian forces continued their attacks on the eastern edge of Georgievka with no new advances. Video recorded by a drone showed Russian forces walking in the southwestern part of Pobeda and raising the Soviet battle flag. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reported that fighting continued and the Russian Ministry of Defense did not claim the village was captured. We moved the line of conflict and coded the village as contested but Russian-occupied. 
the loss of Pobeda will further complicate the defense of Novomikhailovka and, ultimately, the Vuhledar area of operation. On the subject of, in the Vuhledar area, the situation remains difficult, with fighting continuing on the eastern edge of Novomikhailovka, which is now in a salient with its main ground line of communication, GLOG, that's a supply line, from Kostantinivka under pressure. The situation for Ukrainian forces within Novomikhailovka remains stable. Fighting continued in Zaporizhia oblast, and there are no indications Russia is setting conditions for a larger offensive. In the Urihivyo, fighting continued east of Malatokmachka and south and west of Robotina. Ukrainian forces have stabilized their defensive positions. The International Atomic Energy Agency reported that the 330-kilovolt backup line to the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, or ZNPP, was damaged and has been disconnected since February 20. Director General Rafael Grossi said, quote, The extremely vulnerable off-site power situation continues to pose significant safety and security challenges for this major nuclear facility. Even though the main power line remains in operation, the lack of backup power demonstrates that the nuclear safety and security situation at the plant remains precarious. Unquote. A single 750 kilovolt line remains connected to the plant. Gross's statement comes a day after he told NBC News that ZNPP is quote, the most dangerous situation we have. Unquote. In the Khersonayo, there is more Kremlin drama. Fighting continued in Grinke with no significant change in the situation. When the Minister of Defense of Russia, Sergei Shoigu, met with President Vladimir Putin, the Russian leader challenged Shoigu's report that the village had been cleared, stating that Colonel General Mikhail Teplinsky told him that fighting continued. Shoigu publicly denied Teplinsky's claim and praised the work of the 8-10th Naval Infantry Brigade for completing their mission. Moving to assessment. The statements by Shoigu were met with another round of furious responses in the Russian information space, one level below the most popular channels. There have been reports for months that Colonel General Teplinsky has fallen out of favor with Shoigu. The public dismissal of his battlefield assessment indicates these reports are accurate. The exchange with Putin also suggests that there is a degree of distrust between Shoigu and the Russian leader, with Putin revealing his receiving direct reports from Teplinsky. For the last two years, this type of palace intrigue did not end well for Shoigu's opponents. Russian propagandist Romanov Light claimed that the commander of the 8-10th Brigade, Oleg Vlasov, was promoted to general due to the claimed Russian success in the Khersonayo. Near occupied Podokalinivka, Ukrainian drones observed Russian troops undergoing military training in the Oleshka Sands National Park. The formations were attacked by rockets fired by HIMARS, killing and wounding dozens. We'll link to the video in our situation report. And there is more information in the podcast description. Here is my theater-wide update. Ukraine claimed it downed another Su-34, the seventh Russian warplane, in a week. On February the 20th and 21st, 
Russia launched 19 Iranian Salt Shahid 136 one-way drones, 4KH-22 supersonic anti-ship cruise missiles and a KH-59 guided air-to-surface missile at Ukraine. 13 Shahads and the KH-59 missile were shot down, and additional Shahads were disabled by electronic warfare. The main intelligence directorate of the Ministry of Defense of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, UHUR, reported that Russia had added two more Iskander short-range ballistic missile launches on the border of Ukraine, raising the total to 48. The deputy chief of the UHUR, Vadim Skibitsky, said that Russia has 470,000 ground troops on Ukrainian soil, adding that the number didn't include aerospace or naval forces. Speaking with the Wall Street Journal, the chief of the UHUR, Kirill Budanov, said that Russia lacks the combat potential to capture free Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts in 2024. He stressed that Russia's professional army was largely destroyed in the first year of invasion, and the Kremlin is now throwing untrained conscripts into battle. The dark potato prince and illegitimate president of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, wanted to remind the world that he has nuclear weapons. Quote, we have everything necessary to defend ourselves reliably and, as the military says, inflict crippling damage on the adversary. To be maximally prepared for neutralizing risks and threats. Unquote. Bringing up the Russian tactical nuclear weapons stored in his nation, which he does not have the codes to activate and launch, Lukashenko boasted, quote, Today, they are the most important element of deterrence. After some nuclear saber rattling, he went on to say he was worried about the discourse about World War III. Quote, now we are literally covered by an information wave of the so-called premonition of the Third World War. These are trends to be afraid of. Wait, you just told everyone you have nuclear weapons and suggested you are not afraid to use them. Then you complain about talk of World War III? Yesterday, Sweden's military aid announcement included a listing for Torpedo 47. What is it? Ukraine will receive the new Torpedo 47 SLWT, Saab Lightweight Torpedo. The anti-submarine weapon is only 3 meters long, 315 kilograms, and carries a 50-kilogram warhead. It can be launched by ships, planes, helicopters or, quote, makeshift carriers. That's a fancy way of saying uncrewed surface or subsurface vessels like the Ukrainian Sea Babies? Maybe. The torpedo has a range of 25 kilometers, a speed of up to 40 knots and the ability to strike targets below 300 meters depth. When Ukraine sinks a ship, it is promoted to a submarine. What does a submarine get promoted to if a spicy Swedish meatball sinks it? Canadian officials are reportedly still debating on whether to provide Ukraine with up to 80,000 70mm unguided rockets, which are slated for disposal. The Minister of Defense of Canada, Bill Blair, said the biggest challenge is that some of the rockets are decades old, and there is concern about their stability during shipping. Pentagon spokesperson Sink said that as soon as the U.S. Congress reauthorized military aid to Ukraine, supplies could arrive in Ukraine within, quote, a few days. We had previously assessed that it was highly likely the U.S. Department of Defense was staging materials in Europe 
in hopes that achievements would restart. The Prime Minister of the Netherlands, Mark Rutte, who is considered the frontrunner to be the new Secretary-General of NATO, said that Europe needs to move forward with or without the United States. Quote, Sooner or later, Europe will adapt to the current wave of challenges. Meanwhile, EU leaders are layering their fears on top of their own confusion. Europe should stop complaining about the possibility of Donald Trump's return and instead focus on helping Ukraine. We must stop whining, moaning and grumbling about Trump. We must work with those on the dance floor. What's going on in the world of Mobix, mobilization and MIR? Investigators determined that Russia used a second alleged hypersonic anti-ship 3M22 Zircon cruise missile on February 7, with debris found near Lviv. The director of the Kyiv Scientific Research Institute of Forensic Expertise, Oleksandr Ruvin, said the second missile failed in flight and dismissed Russia's claims of its capabilities. Quote, the Zircon does not fly at a speed of Mach 8 or 9, as claimed by the Russians. Relevant services stated that during the final stage of its flight, the missile reached a speed of only 2,500 km per hour. Unquote. Ruven's claim puts the observed speed of the Zircon at Mach 2, which suggests that it couldn't gain enough speed using its Solon rocket booster for the scramjet to activate. For a scram or ram jet to ignite, the missile would need to reach a speed of Mach 3 to 3.5. Moscow has made bold claims of wonder weapons that didn't match their promoted capabilities since the 1940s. Ironically, the exaggerated or outright false claims have motivated the United States and European nations to develop counters to the stated threat perpetuating a firepower gap between Russian and Western weapons. Putin's purge continues. In Russia, copies of the Sebesednik newspaper were yanked from circulation for having a picture of Alexei Navalny on the front page. Russian officials also blocked the website. Journalist Yelena Milchanovska, who wrote the story, told Russian state media, quote, this is very serious and even a little scary for us. On February the 20th, Russian propagandist Vladimir Solovyov threatened the wife of Alexei Navalny, saying, quote, The same fate awaits Navalny. If she comes to Russia, she will go to prison. He also blamed the West for assassinating Navalny in prison, without explaining how agents reached the frozen butt crack of Russia broke into one of the most infamous penal colonies on the planet and carried out their plan. Quote, the West is the only beneficiary of his death. Here he wasn't interesting to anyone, unwanted and forgotten, totally gone. They had to revive interest, shake things up and disrupt the fantastic effect of the interview of our country's leader with Tucker Carlson. Unquote. The same claims were echoed by the head of RT, formerly Russia Today, Margarita Simonyan, and propagandist Roman Golovanov. If President Vlad the Impaler Putin is the defender of Russian culture, he has a strange way to show it. The Russian website Megamarket pulled 252 books from its virtual shelves due to LGBT propaganda. 
The now forbidden literature includes Fyodor Dostoevsky, Neточка Nizvanova. Dostoevsky also banned The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde, Norwegian Wood by Haruki Murakami, and It by Stephen King. Maybe Pennywise wears too much makeup? The Kremlin doesn't have an official policy of banning specific books, but uses denunciations to pressure distributors and retailers to pull what is viewed as undesirable content from the shelves. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News.